Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Cruising along, hour two. This is Sharp Money, Dustin Sweetelson, Amal Shaw, live from the D in downtown Las Vegas. Come by, buy me a beer, buy them all milk. And we'll have a good time. Why, why this would afternoon. you? I said buy me a water. No, you want milk. You want milk. You need more calcium for your bones. I'm fine. Thank right. you. Well, <laughs> a guy who's plenty strong, at least on Twitter and in his writing, is Miles Simmons. He's from Pro Football Talk and NBC Sports. He joins us now on the line. Big fan of his work. Does a great job over at PFT. See him on PFT Live. You see him with or hear him with uh, Peter King on the podcast. Miles, thanks so much for joining us today. How's it going, man? I'm doing well. Why are you guys talking about grown men drinking milk? What in the world? What show did I enjoy? <laughs> because to answer your question, because I don't drink soda or alcohol. He doesn't drink caffeine. He doesn't drink alcohol. So I yeah. just project that he I, should be a milk drinker. Yeah, no, no coffee, no, none of the other stuff. Okay. I mean, like, I, I would say, like, sparkling water. Like, we got juice. There's so many but other this, better options than milk. Like, I, I don't disagree. <laughs> First of all, I just like the way you came on the show and you just brought it right away. I love that. Uh, look. I'm sorry. Like I just, I don't usually hear Mel being talked about on okay. sports radio. Like, what are we doing? No, you say that. Ask him. I agree. I, I, a guy who definitely enjoys an ice cold glass of milk is Kirk Cousins. There is no doubt about oh, no that. Doubt. Midwestern <laughs> no through doubt. and through, likes to come home, pop open the carton, and have some cold milk. And last night he was ice cold for the Vikings, Miles. What did you think of that performance from a guy who has had a rough time on Monday Night Football in the past? Yeah, you know, I I did enjoy it. I thought it was kind of fun to see him do the things that he was doing with Jordan Addison, in part because it's just like you're breaking up a narrative. And sometimes whenever we can see like a narrative get broken like that, like, oh, Kirk Cousins doesn't play well in primetime. And frankly, the numbers bear out that he does not play well in primetime. It's fun to see something like that. 
And honestly, I thought that the 49ers would come in there, play angry, especially after the way that they had lost to the Browns the week before. And it was just one of those games where whatever the 49ers were really trying to do, they weren't able to do it. Whatever Kirk Cousins was really trying to do, he was able to do it. And you know, even though Justin Jefferson wasn't out there, you see the chemistry now is really starting to develop with a young guy in Jordan Addison. And if the Vikings can continue to stack those blocks, look, they're not out of it by any means. You know, yeah, they're three and four, but it's not like they're playing all that tough of a schedule. I think the Vikings can maybe make some noise, especially when Justin Jefferson gets back. I like that angle you have on the Minnesota Vikings. We were talking about that earlier. I think they're a dangerous team there. Could they legitimately catch Detroit with their schedule? We look at the next seven weeks. Outside of the road game in Atlanta and the Saints at home, they should potentially be able to win five of these games fairly comfortably, and even they could sneak away with those two as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're talking about this. The Saints are so Jekyll and Hyde right now. I don't even know what to expect from them week to week, except for their offense not really scoring 30 points. I mean, they, they don't necessarily have the kind of, I don't know, juice offensively that I think you would expect them to have with a veteran quarterback in Derek Carr, who's, you know, He's not the best in the world, but he should be at least more competent than he's been, I feel like, in that offense. So, yeah, I don't I don't see why Minnesota can't make things interesting with Detroit. Now, I think Detroit is going to recover from that butt-kicking that they just got from the Ravens. You know, that was one of those things that I just did not necessarily expect to see. But, you know, when teams – like Detroit the week before, you know, they go down to Tampa Bay, they beat the brakes off the Buccaneers, and maybe they start to believe in themselves a little too much. You know, they start to believe that, oh, everybody's talking nice about us. Well, maybe we really are that good, and you don't necessarily do the things you need to do to prepare for a good, really good team like the Ravens. So I, I don't think it's out of the question that Detroit is going to falter a little bit, and I do think that Minnesota, with their schedule, they – as long as they continue playing defense like they've been playing under Brian Flores, yeah, they, they can do some things there in the in the NFC North. Miles Simmons, our guest, Pro Football Talk, NBC Sports, Sharp Money. This is Vsin, the Sports Betting Network. You mentioned the Saints, so I want to ask you about that division in the NFC South because, good God, is it ugly and gross, Ugh. and I don't know who's going to win it preseason. Love the Saints. Uh, about week three, I bet the Buccaneers to win it, and after last week, I think that ticket is dead and done. Do we feel good about the Falcons in sole possession of first place at uh, plus 110 right now to win that division? Oh, no, because I don't feel good about Desmond Ritter. I mean, I don't, I don't feel good about any one of those teams, man. And, you know, I guess you now can count the Carolina Panthers out of it because they've lost each of their first six games. And, you know, you're turning to a new play caller after six games, which – Man, I, I don't care what they say. You know, oh, we thought that Thomas Brown was going to be great and all that. Like, if your first-year head coach there, and obviously he's not a first-year head coach in general, but the first year there in Carolina, and Frank Reich, I, I, I understand that they had a plan, but you can't tell me that the plan was for him to stop calling offensive players after six games. So that's one crappy team. The New Orleans, they can't get their offense going, and it, I don't know what they're going to do in order to get it going, but – I mean, maybe you have to simplify things for Derek Carr. I don't know, but I certainly don't feel great about them. I feel better about their defense, but if you can't score, then you can't really win. And look at Tampa Bay. I, that's the one where it's like, I think that they'll end up winning the division. I, I think, but I don't feel great about that. 
because it, it, with them and the Falcons, it's like they could win any game or they could lose any game, and they could look really good in that game or they could look really bad in any game. And so, I, I, if it's my money, I would put it on the Buccaneers because I don't trust Desmond Ritter, and I have a little bit more trust in Baker Mayfield than I do in a Desmond Ritter, but not that much. I like that breakdown of the AFC South. Let's go to the AFC East for a second. Where are you on the Miami Dolphins? I think they're good, but not great. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. They kind of remind me of uh, the early uh, Sean McVay Rams in like 2017 and 2018, where that offense, if they can do the things that they want to do and they're getting their first read, their second read, they are going to light you up. But if you can kind of take things away and muddy, muddy the picture, you know, start getting pressure up the middle and make Tua Tungavailoa have to get off of this spot and you can't necessarily get the accuracy that he wants on throws to Tyree kill Jalen Waddle, then you can really mess them up, you know. And that's what the Eagles were able to do, I think, the other night. And that's why the Eagles are the elite team that they are in the NFC. And Miami's still trying to find their way. I mean, I still think Miami is going to win that division, especially with a Jalen Ramsey coming back as soon as he is. You know, if he is playing at the elite level, he is an absolute game changer defensively. So that, to me, just kind of solidifies them as the favorite in that division. But I don't know that that means they're going to make a long playoff run. Miles Simmons, our guest here, Pro Football Talk, NBC Sports. Uh, let's see. Derek Henry is on the market. You mentioned the AFC East. I think the Bills might be interested in a guy like Derrick Henry, maybe the Ravens. If the Titans truly do have a fire sale with uh, Kevin Byard being the first piece to go yesterday, where do you see being the best fit for Derrick Henry to go to a team to put them over the top? You know, I don't necessarily think it's the Bills. I, I just I think that the way their offense runs, it's always going to be pass first, and it should be pass first when they have a guy like Josh Allen who can do the things that he can do with his arm. It's just always going to be a matter of, well, is he going to be able uh, to not have those turnovers, right, and the turnover-worthy plays? Because once those things happen, that's when things get messed up. I would actually go – to the NFC and say either Detroit or Minnesota because Detroit, yeah, they've got David Montgomery and Montgomery has been good, but Montgomery is not the kind of elite runner that you have when you have a guy like a Derrick Henry who's at the top of his game. And I would say the same in Minnesota. Madison's a good back. Cam Akers is a good back, but they're not great backs. And if you have that running game with the way that they play um, with Minnesota and Kevin, uh, O'Connell can do a good job of scheming up runs. That would make sense to me. Uh, and if the Browns want to get serious with their run game again, too, and maybe think of Derrick Henry as a rental, that also could make sense since they're out Nick Chubb for the rest of the year. What do you think of the situation right now with Deshaun Watson? Injury, no injury. Is he the guy that can potentially lead them without Nick Chubb? Because defensively, they look like by a decent margin, they're better than everybody else. Yeah, and, you know, that game was interesting on Sunday between them and Indianapolis because I did not expect Gardner Minshew, of all people, to kind of carve them up. But then Gardner Minshew couldn't hold on to the dot on football. So it's like, I mean, and Miles Garrett was just absolutely the best defensive player in the entire National Football League last weekend. So I think that if they can get any sort of consistency out of Deshaun Watson, right, if he is like a top, let's call it 15 quarterback, then the Browns should make the playoffs. 
But I don't know that he's going to be that. I don't even know if he's going to be available, when he's going to be available, what he's going to look like when he is available. I mean, he only had five throws, yes, in that game against Indianapolis, but they were five bad throws. I mean, he completed one pass for five yards. That's not good enough. And it's not good enough considering what they're paying him either. So it's so hard to tell what the Browns are going to be. But I give them a lot of credit for winning these last two games, especially because, look, you're going up against San Francisco with a guy who was on your practice squad and T.J. Walker. And then Walker doesn't really get many snaps this week or last week, I guess I should say, in practice. And he has to come in at the end of the first quarter and he ends up leading you to a victory. So, there's some good things clearly that are going on with the Browns, but I, I just I, I don't know what to expect from Deshaun Watson at this point. We covered a lot of ground in those 10 minutes with Miles Simmons there. A lot about Kirk Cousins, Desmond Ritter, the Dolphins, Derrick Henry, the Browns. But most importantly, we've noted not a milk drinker will not bring well, he, up milk. He went again. to Columbia, man. He's probably hanging out at the <laughs> West End bar. Miles, thanks so much. Great first appearance on the show. Would love to do it again down the road. Have a good one, man. All right, take care, guys. Thank you. Oh, that was great stuff. All right, when we come back, Dabo Sweeney and Matt Rule had some odd comments over the last mm, 72 hours. Not sure Amal has seen them. And also, a college football coach got into a fight with a mousetrap. More on that next. It's Sharp Money. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When your child fights sleep, it can feel like a battle you'll never win. Imagine a bedtime routine you all look forward to, where you cuddle in and let the stress of the day melt away. Welcome to Sleep Tight Stories, a calming weekly podcast that brings bedtime stories, cuddles, and comfort to families worldwide. The stories are quirky, relatable, and spark wonder without overstimulation so listeners can fall asleep and stay asleep. Each episode is narrated by me, Cheryl McLeod, a second-grade teacher, and written by my husband, Clark, an eternal second-grader at heart. Tune in tonight and bond over a story before drifting off to sleep. Make bedtime the sweetest part of your day. Sleep Tight Stories. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw 
on VSIN, the sports betting network. College basketball is about to tip off, and uh, as I read that, I realized that it is indeed about to tip off. We're like uh, two weeks away. I've done no prep for it, so that's why I need to download this college basketball betting guide that we have here at VSIN. Go get your copy now because it includes Matt Newman's top 25 rankings, who can be this season's Florida Atlantic, all 32 conferences previewed, Wooden Award candidates, futures, and long season prop bets. The only way to get this guide is you can become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Sign up for just $120, get VEASAN Pro access to everything we do until May 1st. That's all college basketball season long, March Madness, and beyond. It's $120, VEASAN.com slash subscribe. He's Amal Shah. I'm Dustin Sweetelson in for Patrick Maher. This is Sharp Money on VEASAN. The sports betting network. Uh, before we get to some college football, Amal, have you done your college basketball prep, or is your college basketball prep just you being you? No, I'm I'm ready for college hoops. College, listen, this is where you make money. College basketball and college football are to me the two easiest sports to bet. Uh, I will tell you right now, this year in college hoops, I like a lot of the chalk in terms of. I think Kansas is going to be the team to beat. McCullers back. Uh, they get in Hunter Dickinson from Kansas. They're going to be tough. Duke's going to be pretty good. I think Kentucky's a team that's a little bit underrated this year. We'll see how it goes. It's so odd that you say that because to me, you don't seem like a Bill Self guy, even though I've heard you say a lot of things about Bill Self. There's not a bigger Bill Self guy in college basketball than me. He's not a great coach. I like Bill Self the you, person. You can just trust that he's going to be in the mix every year. Well, I trust that their funding of players <laughs> has always been great and it will continue to be great. Well, now it's legal. It's funny, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because a friend of mine says to me, he goes, dude, he goes, are you ready? I said, for what? He goes, free money at the fog. It's Listen, <laughs> they have lost fewer games than the number of seasons he's coached at Kansas at home. That's how good they are at home. They're going to be dominant this year. Kansas over-under, I make the season uh, win-loss at home a half. It just, it's, just, it's just weird that that's your guy because to me that's not the guy I would think is your guy. Like, he's a guy there are easy critiques of him where he should probably have some more championships so I would feel like you would be harder on someone like that I, I don't disagree with you I do think they should probably have achieved more but a lot of my uh, basis on these coaches is based on guys I covered and how they are you know one of my favorites and he's one of the worst coaches ever is Mac Brown <laughs> yeah <laughs> Mac Brown's like the <laughs> nicest human being you could ever meet you know Mac Brown there would be people from small papers in Amarillo and other places and Mac Brown would treat them like there were some national writer from Sports Illustrated all right, well, let's shift over to college football now. All right, from college basketball to college football, because there's some sound I want you to hear. Uh, the first one is the end of the Clemson-Miami game in overtime. Cade Klubnick decides to pull the ball on what looks like an RPO to end the game, ends up getting tackled. Clemson's, Clemson loses to Miami's backup quarterback. Dabo Sweeney, after the game, was asked, was that a designed run or an RPO on the last play? Just pulled it. I got no answer. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just trying to do too much. You know, and uh, so the RPO is a, it's a give, and we just didn't do it. <coughs> Made a lot of plays, uh, but again, you got to, we, we, we got to, just got to play within the system. So he said he pulled it. That was the first thing. He pulled it, and it was supposed to be a handoff to Shipley up the middle, which makes a lot of sense at the goal line like that. Get the ball into your best player's hands because so far from what we've seen from Cade Klubnik, he is not the best player on the Tigers' offense. 
There's no question about it. He did have some nice yardage in that game. 18 for 34 for 314 yards. Shipley, less than three yards per carry, 15 for 44. But in that situation, to be honest with you, on third down, I'd like to see them use Phil Moffa. Moffa's the yeah. bigger back. They decided to go with Shipley. Got stoned at the wall, at the line there. It looked like a wall of hurricanes he ran into. But um, I said before, and I'll say it again, when Venables left, I said year two would be the downfall, and people would realize that Dabo Sweeney is not as good of a coach as you think he is. He struggled until Venables got to Clemson, and once he left, I thought that would be the demise of Dabo Sweeney. And we've got three losses already this year for Clemson. What do you have to go back to, like 2014, 15, or when was the last time they lost three games? Yeah, also, don't forget, there's still Notre Dame on the schedule. A game we thought was going to be a big game for Clemson. It doesn't matter for their for their hopes. And also, they still have North Carolina on the schedule. I know North Carolina just lost to Virginia, but those would be two angry, gross teams taking uh, facing each other on November 18th. Speaking of which, outside of Florida State this year, this entire ACC stinks. Nobody should be allowed to participate in the college football. And by club. the way, Flo Florida State is not as good, I think, as we thought they were. No, but here was the thing I said. I never said they were going to win the national championship, but I said they were going to make the college football playoff because I knew the ACC was terrible. Well, but hold on, but that that's what Dabo is banked on year after year. He was always the best of this bum conference. Yeah, but that's Saban's argument, right? Like, hey, we're so good we should get it. No, you beat up on a bunch of also-rans, and then you think because you play two games you're going to be better than Florida State's 14-year run of top four finishes. That's why everyone's like, I don't – to me, I hate when they make that argument on Bama and Clemson. I'm like, listen, you got to play in the Pac-12 this year. I have to tell you, as good as the SEC's been in the past, the Pac-12 this year – might be the best conference I've seen top to bottom in 25 years. Oh, I mean, like the third or fourth best team in the Pac-12 would contend for the ACC championship this year. They'd win it. Well, Florida State could still go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. I'd take Washington, Oregon, and Utah right now over those teams. If, if UCLA, I'm not arguing. If UCLA played Garvers early on instead of Dante Moore, who's going to be a great player, but Moore's got three pick sixes already this year. Uh, USC doesn't have the defense. SC is exactly who we thought they were a bit fraudulent. Until Lincoln Riley gets rid of Alex Grinch, they're going to continue to struggle. Uh, also, some quarterback controversy in UCLA we can get into a little bit where we don't know who is starting this week against Colorado. But all right, more from Dabo Sweeney here. He did have to uh, release an apology for this next statement. Yeah. But after the game, things are not going well. This team's mentality is kind of broken. He was asked if he's thought about using a sports psychologist. Got him. Uh, so, you know, again, um, it just sometimes things don't go. I mean, I'm sure things have not gone the way y'all always want, maybe in your professional career from time to time. Maybe you had a plan and you worked hard and you did everything and it didn't go the way you want. Well, I mean, you know what? You just got to keep moving. You got to keep going. And so you got in a team environment, you have a decision to make. You stay together or you divide. You know, you keep pushing or you give up. And uh, you take ownership of what you need to take ownership of. You learn from it and you just, you got to grow through it. And uh, we've got a really talented team. And we've got a lot of guys that are going to have a lot of great days ahead. No more than this quarterback. All right, the part that he had to apologize for was cut off from that clip. He was asked about the sports psychologist. He said he's probably on suicide watch. Yeah, well, Felt look, like an Amal Shaw reaction, honestly. Yeah, but the difference was he came out. He actually had a great <laughs> apology. It was very sincere in what he said. He goes, you know, obviously we take mental health very seriously and pro not appropriate and not a good look, attempt Look, he's in an uncomfortable spot. He's not used to being this team and this guy and this leader, and he's already having issues adapt to the new, adapting to the new landscape that is college football. 
he said something stupid, put his foot in his mouth. I just it was it's just weird to see a guy like that who's usually so composed and is known for being a leader to say something so dumb. Uh, a guy who's done a lot of dumb things as a coach, but actually is pretty good with the media is Matt Rule. Matt Rule yesterday at his press conference. I don't know if you saw this, Amal. I did not. But he was asked about, you know, the Michigan scandal going on and sign stealing in general. And here's what he had to say. Yeah, sign stealing happens every game. Um, there's nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with teams over there looking over trying to steal our signs. There's nothing wrong with us trying to look at their signs. That's why you should have mics in the helmets, right? Like all these coaches that vote against it every year is because they don't want to teach their quarterback. You know, in the NFL, your quarterback goes out there with three play calls <laughs> because if I see if I see the free safety's foot like that, it might be one high. I'm going to check to this play. And if I, but you get to college and you're watching a game on a Tuesday night and you know they they got the signal and they're just calling a play. So that's uh, what makes college football to me. That's why they score a lot, maybe more points, but it's also why the kids are less prepared. So that's why they should, there should be, 100% should be, we could get rid of all the stupid signs on the sidelines and we could get pictures of, you know, rock stars and all that stuff and we could just play football the way it was meant to be. You go to a high school game, there's technology on the sideline. You go to an NFL game, there's technology on the sideline. You go to the college, there's nothing. When you, when you played Michigan, did you have any suspicions that there was more than the usual amount of knowledge on their side? I, I am. I'm, I, I, you know, no one from the Big Ten or NCAA has asked me anything yet, so I'm not going to probably comment on anything like that. I, I would never want to cash shade at somebody else going through a hard time. I don't know anything. But he makes a lot of really interesting points. The first one is that the, the technology aspect. Do you know why there is no technology for, for college football programs to, to have the headsets in the helmets? I was, I was told because of uh, economics for the smaller programs. If you have a Division One yeah. college football team, you can afford to have the, the microphone and, and speakers in the helmets at this point. It's a, it's a, it's a preposterous thing to say. To, uh, uh, some schools can't afford it. If you're playing Division One football, you can afford it. I don't know what's the cost on it exactly, but I can tell you this, programs like New Mexico, these other schools that are non-Power 5 teams, their budgets are very restricted. If when you can't afford that drop down to Division Two, you're, there's no point in playing your season. I, listen, I'm not here to debate it. I'm just telling you what I've read about, and one of the arguments has been the economics of it. I don't see any other reason for why you would object to it. Yeah. How about this? Stop being poor and trying to play college football, which makes your program, your your uh, athletic department, all of its freaking money. All right, I'm told Patrick's going to actually be back next segment. Nice. Told that during – oh. Someone wants to kick me out already. All right. Well, we'll welcome Patrick back into the show. Get his thoughts on the Game 7 tonight in baseball. Also, NBA opening night and more. That's coming up next. It's Sharp Money on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. All right, check out the betting splits, vsin.com for the tough guys out there. Money and bets for every game, updated every five minutes, straight from DK. Today's games and future events as well. Add the betting splits to your betting arsenal right now. We got you back here. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetles, great job, boys, as we say hi. It is vsin, the sports betting network. I'm Patrick Maher, live from Los Angeles. Of course, the boys there downtown las vegas it looks like we've got our buddy tim jenkins is that true big guy uh i think there i have not heard if tim is connected yet he's not there yet we will have him momentarily okay i did write down some highlights i talked to you guys about 
the Kirk Cousins debate you were having, 100 to 1, feels like, and this was in yesterday's broadcast, Troy Aikman said, quote, Kirk Cousins is a top 10 quarterback by my book. He also became the fifth quarterback in history to throw for at least 300 yards in 50 games or more. So Kirk Cousins was balling out. And my favorite part was when you were talking about 100 to 1, Amal said he disagreed. He Googled in real time, and then he agreed with you. And then, Amal, you just told me during the break, it's a 3-4 and four team, yet the stats prove that Cousins should be in the mix. So which one is it? Well, they vote based on statistics and how your team performs. So if this team, based on the schedule, the next five games, you look at it, they've got a great opportunity. They've got the Bears, they've got the Falcons, the Saints, they've got, and the Raiders in there. They've got some chances to move ahead. If they're at 8-4, if they're at eight and four, and they have a chance to win this division. I think he's going to be in the mix. All right. Mr. Futures, big guy, always digging. We've got, of course, as a show, a Futures play at 40-1 to 1 on the Bengals with our free play there for 1000 bucks to win a Super Bowl. Did you guys debate that five and a half them all wanted to lay on the 49ers? Them all also said pump the brakes on Brock Purdy. You wanted us to lay five to one with a $1,000 free roll after they beat the Steelers, the Rams, the Giants, and the Cardinals. I'm talking about in terms of MVP for Brock Purdy. 14 to Was 1. Was he in the mix? He's at 14 to 1. You think so you don't like him for MVP. Uh, that's why I said pump the brakes. Gotcha. All right. All right boys, what's going on with uh, our guest here? Uh, uh, Dustin good to go. Tim is we've good got to go. Adam We got Adam Burke coming up at the top of the hour. Tim Jenkins, our quarterback guru, trainer, film analyst, all things QB on YouTube. At T. Jenkins Elite, of course, weekly with Jenkins here on Sharp Money. Let's start with Cousins. He's 100 to 1. The big guys got him to win the MVP. Why is he so maligned? Let's start there. Why do people kill Cousins all the time, Tim? I just think because he's uh, just a dad, right? I think we don't, we, don't like his, uh, we don't like his flannel swag. No, I think, like, he's one of those players that it's not exciting all the time, right? He makes a lot of boring plays. But boring football is sometimes super effective football from the quarterback position. I think Minnesota's issues obviously aren't him, right? I think they're, they have issues on defense or the team in general. So to me, I think Kirk's one of those guys that's really boring football. That's why nobody like really loves talking about him. But simultaneously, I think he's, he's stuck around the league for a while because he plays really efficiently from the quarterback spot, which is, which is really what you need. Tim, did you always see this type of success with him, even in Washington, or was this combination of him getting better, having a receiver like Justin Jefferson, and then last night put it on full display even without J.J. in the lineup? I think he is one of those guys that has gotten better. A lot of times we view these guys as finished products when they get to the league, right? We see guys come in and they make a splash as a rookie, and then all of a sudden we're like, hey, man, they're they're finished products. When really these guys, especially limited athletes like Kirk, right, they're going to get better as they process more information. So every time he sees, you know, blitz zone 33 on third down, he's getting better because he's going to process it quicker. He's going to get to the correct guy a little bit sooner, which then obviously is going to impact yards after cap. So to me, I think when you look at those kind of pocket guys, those guys who are limited athletically, it's hard. I, I don't want to say it's hard on them. It's harder for them to make a splash as a rookie. It's also one of those guys that can get better with the more and more reps they get because they're going to process it all quicker. So to me, I think he get, he's gotten substantially better since he was in Washington. And I also think they have a pretty good 
coach quarterback combo up there right now in terms of getting that system off the ground that Kevin O'Connell wants to run. Tim Jenkins talking quarterback sharp money. What'd you see from Badgent, the D2 kid there with the Bears? Did you like it? Yeah, you know, I'm a D2 guy, right? So to me, it's like, uh, you know, you got a little soft spot in the heart. I think for him, they they tried to set him up as best they could. They threw a ton of the smoke screens to DJ Moore, Mooney. They sprinkled in a couple of movement throws where you get out of the pocket. You don't have to worry about Crosby. I think he did a really effective job. What's most exciting about him, though, and this is where you normally see these rookies struggle, is he had a ton of can run checks. So, you know, when you see the quarterback touch his helmet and he yells can, can, or sometimes you see him slice at their throat and they yell kill, kill. All they're doing is changing from one run play to another, right? So we have, you know, 50 OP, like an open side zone, and we're going to kill it and we're going to run a strong side zone or something like that. He had probably 10 of those, which is exciting to see because they trust him to do it, right? The fact that he could get them in and out of the right run play shows that those coaches trust him doing that. I also think, you know, Foreman, you saw it in his stat line, right, where all of a sudden he runs for a ton of yards and, and a lot of that comes from we're getting him into the right run look. So I think that was the most impressive aspect of his start. Obviously, the Chicago Bears winning is a big deal, too. I think he earned another start. I don't think I'm ready to fully, you know, quit on field and, and, and go with Tyson. But I do think he earned another start from playing as effectively as he did in his first start. Tim, when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, they're still off to a great start. Jalen Hurts is playing well, but his interception numbers are up, and it seems like some of the accuracy has kind of dropped off a little bit compared to last year. Is there anything particular mechanically or something that you're seeing out of him that isn't as efficient or as good as was last year? He's just too tired from the tush push, right? I think, <laughs> no, man, I, I don't know. I think the Eagles, I don't I, I think Jalen's a good quarterback. I think he's efficient. I don't think what they did last season is replicatable from the past game. I, I think it's going to have ebbs and flows because they rely on the deep shot so much, right? They rely on those 50-50 balls to A.J. Brown, or they rely on those you know, deep overs and deep posts from, from Smith. So to me, when you rely on some of those plays, it's harder to then always – you know, be accurate or always, hey, we're always going to get these looks because those are the kind of things that defense can take away. Now, obviously, they're still off to a super hot start, right? So it's hard for me to really criticize them. I just think we can't, uh, I don't know. They're one of those teams that they're at the top of the standings, but I don't know how great I feel about them because I just feel like they're three fifty-fifty balls away from not being as good as they are. And then you also look at some stuff that, you know, when they played Miami where you kind of look at Miami and you go, man, you hate to criticize the rest, but you feel like, shoot, that felt like some super impactful plays weren't called. And then when you get to, when you get there, it's how often can those kind of things happen? So I don't know. I, I, I'm not as high on the Eagles as maybe some people. You do have to recognize the fact that they're winning a lot of ball games. Um, but I just think what they do offensively is hard to replicate from an accuracy standpoint for a quarterback. Tim Jenkins, quarterback guru, while you may be biased because you did train Mr. Walker, PJ there in Cleveland, uh, can he keep it going? I mean, we don't know the injury status on Watson. Uh, where are you at with your boy, PJ? I'm just excited he's 2-0. I'm also excited he beat the team that cut him 97 times, right? I know people are real critical of the uh, refs down the stretch, and, and, and rightfully so, but 
uh, anytime you're in that practice squad mode where, you know, you get signed one week and then the next week you're cut and then re-signed, it's, it's, it's good to go back and beat that team that did that to you. Um, but, you know, PJ, listen, he's a gambler with the football, man. He, he threw a cover two hole shot that was a big time throw. Uh, a lot of guys probably shy away from it. He is – no one's ever watched P.J. play and then walked away and been like, that wasn't exciting, right? Whether it was good or bad, um, P.J.'s doing his thing, though, and he's 2-0. and And I think um, – yeah, listen, I mean, the Browns are 2-0 and with him. I think it's hard to turn away from somebody that you paid $235 million to, but I also don't think Deshaun looks healthy when you watch him, you know, in his throws against the Colts before he got pulled. Uh, it seems like he might be battling a little bit of a shoulder that – uh, we might need to take more serious. Tim, we got about 30 seconds. Lamar Jackson, should we expect what we saw to him on Sunday, or was that a bit of an aberration? Detroit had a flat game, and he just played his A game. Man, I think, you know, I came on here last week, and we were talking about Michael Vick, you know, Lamar Jackson, everyone saying Caleb Williams can run like Lamar Jackson, which obviously I think hopefully no one uh, thinks that anymore. I think he can do it again. I also think Lamar's one of those guys who's going to be streaky, but – if they time that up correctly, the, the Ravens are going to make a run. And it's just a matter of, of what their quarterback's playing like. I'm a fan of Lamar. I think he can keep it rolling. Um, obviously, probably not the production level against the Lions, but I do think he can keep it rolling this season. D2 pride, Tim Jenkins. Appreciate you, man. Tim Jenkins uh, Academy, of course. T Jenkins Elite on Twitter. All things QB. If you want to know about the quarterbacks, go to YouTube. All things QB with Mr. Jenkins. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate you. Appreciate you, fellas. Thank you. Okay, we'll talk to you next week. We've got, of course, coming up in just a bit. It's a Berkey Tuesday. Adam Burke, managing editor over at Beeson.com, is going to stop by the show. When we return, who's going to be fired? The first coach fired. Let's get some odds there. Also, coach of the year odds. Three-point stance. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on 
on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, DraftKings Sportsbook, new customers. This is the deal of all deals. Why not get it right now? Five bucks, you bet it. If you're a new customer and you use the promo code SHARP, you get $200 instantly in bonus bets. All right, it's that simple. No sweat, same game parlay every single day as well over at DraftKings. Make sure you check it out. But right now, for a new customer using the promo code SHARP, bet five bucks, get $200 instantly. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Dustin Sweetelson, Amal Shaw, and Patrick Maher as we welcome you back here on Sharp Money. Burke coming up in about 14 minutes, managing editor there over at vcin.com where they're killing it. Yesterday, we had the college basketball guy drop. Of course, busy time of the year. Tonight, we're going to get to the NFL news with three-point stance here in a second, boys. But quickly, uh, I know you guys talked to Dave Dufour as we kick off the season the Lakers at the Nuggets right now. Five with the Nuggets defending champs and the Suns at the Warriors. CP3 revenge game. The Warriors two and a half. So something to take note of there. I'm sure you guys discussed it a little bit earlier. That is Draymond Green not going to play for the Warriors. Bradley Beal is going to be out for the Suns. Uh, just quickly on the NBA season. You know, I wrote down some notes because I knew we were going to be discussing it. And I just wrote down things that I associated with the new NBA season starting. Okay, first off, I said it's a young sport. Young fans with a social media cult. I think you guys would agree with that. It's a, it's a sport that's run by NBA Twitter. I wrote down drama. That's really what fuels the sport. I got a friend that is a host over there, Justin Termity, on NBA Radio on SiriusXM. And he says, we don't even talk about the games. We're not going to talk about the Suns Warriors tonight. We're going to talk about CP3 and the drama that surrounds it. That's all they talk about. LeBron James, drama, that type of stuff. Three-pointers, the game has changed. Soft. Most people that are a little bit older believe the game is soft, not like the 90s. I wrote, player power. It bothers people that NBA players, uh, probably because of a multitude of reasons, have power, personalities, big personalities. In-season tournament, I wrote down, regular season too long. Put it this way, October 24th, we kick off the regular season today. The regular season then concludes on April 14th. That is six months, and then you get two and a half months of the NBA postseason because the play-ins through the finals potential game seven that's almost two and a half months of basketball and then finally my last note was the in-season tournament do either of you know what the in-season tournament is do yeah, either a, of you know when the in-season tournament starts it's in December and it's in uh, Vegas it's, well the finals are in Vegas right and there is yes. money on the line but I don't believe yes. a playoff spot no, no playoffs. No. Which is, I don't understand the purpose of it. It might be one of the dumbest things I've ever heard of in my life in all of sports. Well, that, that is the question. Is it dumb? I'm always half right. It starts November 5th. So it starts in like two weeks, okay? And it goes through December 9th. Now, these games that are going to be played kind of like a European soccer model or World Cup model where there's going to be regions and they're going to play each other and then you're going to advance on the bracket. These games are going to be wrapped into the season. So this is like the NBA Cup, okay? It's another cup. European soccer does this where during a regular EPL season, English Premier League, they can go play for other cups. They're having an in-tournament season, the in-season tournament where you can play for the quote-unquote NBA Cup to kind of sublimate the long, boring season? That's the answer. Now, 
are either of you still clear or clear on what the hell the in-season tournament it is? Because I believe I don't know what it is, and I just explained to you what it is. Uh, no, I'm still not clear on it. But the difference to me in the European soccer model is that you are playing teams that are outside of your league. Here in the NBA, you're going to be playing teams that are still within the association. If you play in the Premier League, you could play a team in France and Spain and Germany. I think that's the biggest differentiator for me. I'm just not sure, and it's really an indictment of the NBA regular season that they're trying to conjure up something to draw interest at a time where you're competing against college football in the NFL. That's the answer, and that is I watched a, an interview with the commissioner, you know, your boy over there with the Birkenstocks, the hippie. He, uh, he was talking about the in-season tournament, and if I confused you with my explanation of what the in-season tournament, I watched 10 minutes of David Silver explain the in-season tournament, and he did a worse job than I did. And basically what he said is, our regular season is six months, and it's interminably boring. So what we need to do is we need to mix it up and force guys to get competitive so they don't load manage, and we're going to do it November 5th through December 9th. The interviewer then said, hey, commissioner, why not do it in February when nobody's watching anything? And he was like, that's a good idea. We're going to stick with November 5th because it's already on the schedule. So they're going to go head to head with the NFL college football during the beginning of their year with an in-season tournament that starts in about 10 minutes. Good, good job, so, uh, Jonathan Von Tobel. So we're going to combat the fact that no one cares about the NBA in November by having something that's supposed to make people care about the NBA in November, but is definitely incapable of making us care about the NBA in November. The only thing I'm clear on for the NBA in-season tournament is I will be looking up at the scoreboard on ESPN.com to see who won it. Facts. By the way, if either of you have a play tonight, I, I do. do have a quick one on uh, a prop for your boy CP3. Revenge season is out tonight in Golden State. First off, his points, assists, and rebound total is 23 and a half. Are you kidding me right now? Uh, he's going to be taking the Jordan Poole minutes, but they don't need him to score like Jordan Poole. I'm guessing what the Warriors will do is they'll stagger you know, Steph and CP3. So CP3 is always going to be a ball handler out there. He's going to get points. He's going to get assists. He's going to get boards against a team that he's pissed off. You know the type of temperament he has. I'm going to go over the 23 and a half with CP3, a prop to start the season, boys. Anything from you two? Yeah, I don't have a plan, but to your point, when you look at it, the ball distribution on a team like the Warriors where you've got perimeter shooters that are outstanding, and he's always been, you can say whatever you want about Chris Paul, but in terms of as a distributor, he's been as good as anybody the last two decades in the NBA and I think he'll get some great opportunities the question here is can he add some rebounding statistics I'm not sure about that and then you're figuring if he can get about eight to 12 points that should put him over on that 23 and a half well and I also think you have to factor in the new team he has really good teammates Steph and Clay and even Draymond who's not playing tonight they understand welcoming him into the team and knowing that it's a moment for him to go at the former team that gave up on him, that he couldn't get over the hump with, I think they make it a concerted effort to get him the ball. So I like your play, and I actually have two props on that game, and I have a lean on the other game with the Lakers and uh, who are they playing? The Lakers and the Nuggets. <laughs> They're definitely playing the Nuggets, unless it's changed, unless, we, unless we've had a Look, I didn't realize who, who was playing opening night until this I, morning. Look, I know you're excited about the NBA. Uh, you're about as excited about the NBA season as that first hockey game you watched. How many have you followed <laughs> up and actually watched this NHL season? Uh, 
I was watching something and hockey came on after and I left the TV on for like a period and a half. I don't remember who it was, but I watched like half of another game. So do you want to give your props for the late game? Yeah, I'm going to go Devin Booker over six and a half assists. Uh, look, he's now the point guard on that team. There is no Bradley Beal tonight. He is going to be the main facilitator. After CP3 went down in the postseason, he averaged eight and a quarter assists per game. That's well over that six and a half. I think there's going to be him working with Durant a lot, a lot of pick and rolls, over six and a half assists on Booker. And the other one, this is a guy I go to a lot, Kevon Looney. Over nine and a half rebounds. When he plays 25 or more minutes in games, Draymond Green is out. He averages 14.7 rebounds a game. 14.7. It's set at nine and a half. It's juiced minus 137. But there's one thing you can count on with Kevon Looney. He's going to come through with boards. And there's a chance on the other side there's no front court depth for, for Phoenix. Uh, Nurkic could foul out early in this one, leaving Looney to grab all the rebounds. Do you guys like Booker at the point for Phoenix? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I it's different. That seem it, that seems weird because new pieces. They basically got three guys returning from last year's roster. A new head coach. Like, there's going to be a lot to work through now. As I explained at the beginning of the, my little rant, there it is six months of work <laughs> for the regular season and a tournament. So they're going to have plenty of time to build some chemistry. Uh, but it, Kevin Durant's 35 years old. You know, going on, I think he's going on 36 years old. Like, injuries are a thing. Bradley Beal's already out with a back. Back's not great. <laughs> it's, not, so, it's not a great sign when the big piece you traded everyone for in the offseason is missing game one with a well, back of all things. My, my point yeah. is, I don't think he doesn't have the ball handling skills. And I don't want to compare him to Steph because that's an elite level ball handler. But he's a guy who's never averaged really more than five, five and a half assists. So he had a couple years where he did, but. I mean, to me, he's not a true facilitator. He's more of a guy that's a natural-born scorer. So I think it's a challenge when you're so used to scoring and then you've got two prolific scorers on that team as well. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Is there anything that, um, Dustin or Amal, is there anything that I missed with my little outline of the NBA starting up? Like, yeah. it is a social media sport, correct? Like, yes. is there anything else? I would say with the Denver Nuggets defending their title, uh, I'm not sure when Nurkic stopped partying from the last title, so I'm not sure how sober or in playing weight he is to start partying. When he won a championship, he acted like he was at a wake. Does he even want to be there? I mean, what are you talking about partying? We're coming back with Burke next. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.